Hi! That's Lindsay. And that's Kayla. And we're two friends who share a love for reading that we want to share with you. So, so let's, let's talk, talk about, about books, baby! And we are rolling. Hello, guys. This is Kayla. Today it's going to be just me, but I am so excited to talk to you all about what has to be one of my favorite books of the year. I know I say that a lot. I know I said that about My Sister the Serial Killer. I know I said that about Where the Crawdads Sing, but it's because all of these books are my favorites. I mean, I think for a long time I was really stuck in this place of reading the same books, the same kinds of books, and it's because they brought me a certain sense of comfort, I guess you could say. I mean, don't get me wrong, I love reading romances. I love them. I love reading those books where you know exactly where this book is going. There's no question. This book is going to have a good ending. It's going to have a happy ending that I, Kayla Kasi, can get on board with. But I do think that it's a very good idea to branch out. And not only to branch out within your genre, but also to branch outside of your genre, right? I love fantasy. I have no problem with fantasy, no problem with sci-fi. The only problem is sometimes I get stuck in my like repetitive, oh, I love romance. I love this. I love that. And I just end up reading what turns out to be the same book over and over and over again. So that being said, this week, we read The Children of Blood and Bone by Tomi Adeyemi. All right, so let's get started. This book is amazing, you guys. I highly, highly recommend it. We're going to start with a few fun facts. First off, Tomi Adeyemi is freaking, she was freaking 24 when she wrote this book, you guys. I think she just turned 27, like just not that long ago. And I'm 28, so this girl is a year younger than me. She wrote this book that's like 520 pages. It's phenomenal. It gives me a lot of hope. Maybe I can be amazing like her at some point, hopefully. I mean, she's young and she has so much going for her. She's so talented. She has a great way of developing her characters, which I totally appreciate. Fun fact number two, Tomi is Nigerian-American. Now, you will remember that earlier in this season, we read My Sister the Serial Killer, which was written by Oyinkan Braithwaite. That book also takes place in Nigeria. A second fun fact, I am Algerian-American, which oftentimes when I tell someone that I am Algerian, they're like, do you mean Nigerian? Uh, no, Susan. I mean Algerian. <laughs> or they'll say, do you mean Armenian? No, no, I don't mean Armenian. Do I look like a Kardashian? No, I don't. The cool thing about Children of Blood and Bone is while it takes place in Nigeria, it's almost like an alternate universe Nigeria because you're dealing with these characters who know that witchcraft and magi and diviners are real. You're dealing with these animals that sound like they could have been prehistoric. It's amazing. 
Fun fact number three. Uh, Children of Blood and Bone. Uh, it sounds kind of gory, doesn't it? Uh, but it's actually not gory. When they talk about the Children of Blood and Bone, what they're actually talking about is this hierarchy of the diviners in accordance with what they call the Sky Mother. Now, the Sky Mother is the highest deity in this book. She was the one who created the deities below her. So there are 10 different clans and each of them has a different a different god that they worship, I guess you could say. Um, yeah, worship. So the Sky Mother gave different qualities to each of those deities. And they, in turn, passed those qualities down to... I hesitate to call them humans, but I think that they were might have been humans at one point, and then they received their magic and became, you know, magi and the diviners. But they passed them down to what she calls the children of blood and bone, because the Sky Mother gave birth to the deities, but they do not have blood and bone. They are of a higher power, but they passed their power down to the diviners who are made of blood and bone. So it's just a play on words saying that they are an extension of the Sky Mother, but they are her children of blood and bone. So here we go. This book centers around a character named Zelly. She is this teenager who... I guess kind of like all of us when we're teenagers, we're kind of like, what am I doing wrong? Why can I not do anything right? Everything I touch is kind of breaks. But she is very independent. Uh, she wants to have her own life. At the very beginning of the book, we start off with her at a training exercise that one of the other characters, Mama Agba, runs. Uh, what she does is she runs, it almost seems like a sewing circle of sorts, and she hires diviners to do the sewing. Now, diviners in this world are are people who would become magi, but they won't become magi until they're 13. And then when they're 13, they start, I guess you could say, developing their abilities. But diviners are those who have not developed their magical abilities. So when Zelly was 11, her mother, or wait, was it when she was 11 or 11 years ago? I don't know. It's one of them, but she was a young girl. When she was young, her mother was ripped away from the family. Her mother was a magi, but she had lost a majority of her abilities. When it was found out that she still had abilities, there was this thing called the raid, which is when they went in and they basically killed off anyone who had powers. And unfortunately for our heroine, Zelly, that was her mom too. So Zelly, her powers have never been harnessed. She's never been in tune with them, which is a real bummer because you know, she seems like she would have really, really strong abilities. It's always those characters who don't think very highly of themselves and they almost think everything I touch 
turns to ash. Those are the characters that I feel like always have the strongest abilities. And that is no different in this case. We have Zele who really has some strong abilities once she gets the chance to harness them. Then we have Zane. Zane is her brother. <laughs> the way I imagine him is looking kind of like um, Thrush from The Hunger Games. You know, really tall, brooding, muscular. He plays this, this sport called Agbon, I think it is. Agbon. I did some research. It looks like it might be something of a martial arts. Anyways, he's her older brother. And we have Zele at the start of the book at this sort of martial arts training exercise that Mama Agba puts on for the diviners because she wants them to be strong and be able to defend themselves should the time come. I think that Mama Agba kind of spoiler she was a seer at one point so I think in a sense she still kind of has a sense that something might happen later we need these girls trained just in case which I'm sure all those girls appreciate next up we have Amari now Amari is the princess of the Kosaiden, I think. She's the daughter of Sauron, which gives me major, major, major Lord of the Rings vibes, but I digress. She had this maiden, a handmaiden named Binta, and Binta and her were best friends. Binta was a diviner, and Sauron actually ended up having her killed, which is kind of the thing that sets off this series of events. Next, we have Inan. Inan is the brother of Amari. He's the older brother, which I kind of like. I kind of like that you have Zane and you have Zele, and they are brother and sister. And then you have Inan and you have Amari, and they're brother and sister. You have this mirror image of the two. You have this older brother and younger sister who are living in poverty, who have diviner blood, and they just are trying to make ends meet with their dad. And their dad is, let me just say, their dad is this sweet, humble, kind man. I kind of get Danny Glover vibes from him. Like, not Lethal Weapon Danny Glover vibes, but like later Danny Glover. Like, older, kind of slower, kind of uh, like when he was in Jumanji 2. Kind of like that. Really sweet guy. And then we have Inan and we have Amari. Now, they were raised in absolute comfort. They wanted for nothing, except for maybe a dad that didn't want them to spill their own blood. They had everything they could have wanted, but they also had their dad, who was a complete and total a-hole. Also, their mom wasn't that great either. She was pretty... She's one of those moms who's like, Amari, Amari, aren't you happy being here in this palace? Amari, you're looking regal today. And let me just say this. If you come from a background where you come from a place that has a lot of sun or is very hot and the people might be darker. So I'm talking Mediterranean, I'm talking certain African countries, even like Afghans, whatnot. If you come from those countries, they tend to think that if you're lighter, it means that you have more money or something, right? Because the thing is, the people who were lighter, they sat indoors and they didn't need to do any hard work outside. But the people who were outside and who had to do hard work, they got tanned. So that's 
kind of the vibe that we're getting from the mom. She wants her daughter to be like light. She even like powders her face so she gets nice and regal, quote unquote looking. It's really dumb. But unfortunately, I understand where her mom's coming from because I have seen it with my own eyes in certain cultures. The story goes like this. We have three characters. Zele, Zane, and Amari, who are on a quest of sorts. By chance, they have been thrown together to bring back the magic to all the diviners. But Amari's brother, Inan, is hot on their trail, and he is looking for blood. But a few fun things happen along the way. Amari gets the opportunity to do what's right. Now you see, her father, he was the reason why magic was taken away from everyone. Why the diviners lost all their magic. Why many diviners and magi were killed during the raid, which obviously leaves a sour taste in the mouth of, you know, Zelly and Zane. But Amari is different. Although she was raised in a life full of opulence, I guess you could say, she is not like that. She is kind. She's a little naive, but she's very kind, very sweet, and really kind of just wants to do right by her one best friend, which was Binta. So when she gets the opportunity, she steals something of value and she goes to bring it back to where it belongs. She thinks that the diviners need to have it. Now this item is a scroll that when you touch it, it brings you back your magic. Only those who have the ashe, which is kind of like the magic gene in their blood, only those people get it. Anywho, Zeli and Amari are able to escape with this document. But of course, we have Inan, who is the captain, he's the prince, and he is hot on their heels. He is trying to track them down. He wants to stop magic just as much as his dad wanted to stop magic. He has always been taught that it's duty before oneself. You can't have a selfish moment. You have to do what's right for Oraisha. But the problem is, I think he's getting the hots for Zelly, to be totally honest. I mean, the second Zelly came near him, the second he sees just even a glimpse of her, it's like he has this fire burning in him. And at first he thinks it's hate, which it very well could be hate, let's be honest with ourselves. But I think that later it really does become this curiosity. You know, I won't ruin everything because Inan's story arc is amazing. He starts off as this awful person who's really just kind of looking for some sort of love from his father. It's not like he wants his father's approval because he wants to be as awful as his father. No, he's just searching for his father's approval because he is going to be the next king. And what person doesn't want their parents? approval and their parents to be proud of them, right? So we have Inan kind of on this paternal, <laughs> I hate to take this term from uh, Outer Banks, but this paternal jihad, right? We have him just kind of searching for Amari and Zele so that he can bring back his own personal pride. And so he can bring back the pride that his father felt for him. But there's a moment where he comes face to face with Zele and he hates her, but it's almost like there's this, this passion, this curiosity that he has. 
uh, Tomi Adeyemi, she really wrote it so beautifully. You feel this pull between the two. Both of them are like, I hate him, I hate him. But, <laughs> but you can definitely see something that could possibly happen between them. It's almost like if you have seen Star Wars, like the later Star, not the later Star Wars, but like the newer ones, the ones with Kylo Ren, the ones with Daisy Ridley as Rey, it's that same vibe that we get from Kylo Ren and Rey. They are enemies. There is no question. They are enemies. But we also have this odd pull between the two. It's like you can feel the infatuation. You can feel the love right underneath the hatred. <laughs> also very similar to Pride and Prejudice. All right. We have that, that really intense scene between Elizabeth Bennet and uh, and and Mr. Darcy, and we have them, her saying, "You're you're the worst man I could ever be prevailed upon to marry." You know, do you think I would ever marry someone who would do something like this to my sister? Blah 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 blah. And then they are just face to face, and you can feel the heat between them, and you can kind of feel this this want. They both lust after each other. I kind of do get that vibe from Inan and Zele. <laughs> it's it's a really kind of sweet buildup, I'll say. I will also say that I felt like there was that same pull between Zayn and Amari. Not saying that Amari and him would necessarily like fall in love and get married and blah blah blah, but there is a really sweet kindred spirit between the two of them. You know, right away, Zane is like, oh, she's cold at night. And so he covers her with his cape. And he tells um, Zelly, it's just because she was cold. I wasn't using it. It's not that big of a deal. But I personally would love to see Zane and Amari come together. They are just, he already has this sweet spot for her. I can feel it. So I feel like they would come together at some point. I don't know. Wishful thinking, maybe? Hmm. I don't know. One thing that I really wanted to cover before we wrap up is something that I think the author did very beautifully. She tied in our issues. And I don't want to say modern issues because these are issues that we have clearly had for several hundred years. But she tied in the issue of race. Children of Blood and Bone takes place in Nigeria, so all of the characters are described with, you know, having mahogany-colored skin or oak-colored skin. So we're not necessarily talking about uh, the color of their skin, but one thing that she did to tie it into the issue of racism that we're having in this country, and in many countries, is she gives the diviners, which Zele is a part of, she gives them snow white hair. I mean, just think about that. Just think about that beautiful contrast of someone with mahogany colored skin and just snow white hair. First off, just how amazing is that image in your head. But 
She gives the diviners something they cannot escape. And not only that, but she gives it to them in the form of their hair, which as we know in this country, that is an issue that somehow is happening. I, I don't understand. I don't understand how someone can be judged based on their hair, but somehow our African-American citizens are being judged. They're not able to get jobs because they have dreads or braids. What the hell? But I think I really appreciated that she still kept it with their hair. That, like, if they didn't have white hair, they could blend in with everyone. They could be treated the same as everyone. But they have this this unique characteristic that they cannot escape. And first off, why should they escape it? They should be proud of their heritage. They should be proud of their lineage. But everyone around them thinks that they are better than them simply because of the color of their hair. The color of their hair says that they have a history in a certain place or a history that makes them have this ashe in their blood and in their veins. And somehow that makes the Kosaidan better than the Diviners. That doesn't make any sense. So I thought it was beautifully done. I thought that her tying in her experience as a Black Nigerian-American into this book that has snow leopards with antlers that you can ride on and people who can perform magic. I thought it was beautifully done. I thought it was amazing that she was able to incorporate her experience into this book. Well, that's it, you guys. Thank you so much for listening. I know I did not want to go into too much detail with this book because I had so much fun reading it and I wanted you guys to have just as much fun. I didn't want to spoil it all. I want you guys to read it. I want you to tell me what you think. I'm passing it on to my brother-in-law as soon as I get a chance so that he can read it and we can gossip about it. <laughs> All right, until next week, remember, one more chapter. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. Tune in every Monday for new episodes. That's Kayla. And that's Lindsay. Goodbye!